Well, it looks like you all hated me so much that you've given me this award for it. That it can be about the performance and not the politics. This moment is so much bigger than me. And I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like me. And thank all of you who voted for me and all of you who didn't, please excuse me. I deserve this, thank you. And welcome back to the season five finale. You won't forget me when I'm gone, will you? I'm Joey Gentile. And God hasn't met my will yet. I'm Brandon Stanwyck. And this is Academy Queens, your LGBT guide through the Academy Awards per decade per category. And this is the season five finale, the class of 2019. You know, I am a little saddened by this. It's a little bittersweet. Um, this is it. This is the end. This is what we set out to do a year and a half ago. Um which is crazy to me that we're finally here at the end of the women thus far from the seventies till now. And even though we are coming back next season with the men and working our way back to the seventies, it's just weirdly bittersweet. Yeah. It's weird to be caught up. Yes. At the end of this episode, there will be no, there'll be no other Oscar season, no next Oscar season until, you know, come what April or whatever the hell they decided it is this time due to the pandemic. But uh, yeah, we'll be moving backwards in time, which will be a, a neat change of pace. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, I I was getting ready for this episode, and for those who don't know, like, usually when we sign on to record, you know, we chit-chat a little bit, how are we doing catching up, but I kind of just, we kind of just dove into this because I wanted to keep this reaction for the recording. And now that we're here, it's just like, it's like when you're ba- you we watched our baby grow up, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it took a year and a half for us to get here. Right, right. But um, with that said, too, this is going to be a big episode because we have a lot of questions. It's the most recent year, so we can really dive into everything. And then it also too um, has our rankings of the decades. So we got a lot to do. Yes. With that said, then, let's dive right in. Brandon, who do you think I'm going to pick? Um, hmm. I have a feeling in supporting about Kathy Bates for some reason. So I'm going to say Kathy Bates in supporting lead. Um, hmm. For some reason, I'm leaning toward Renee Zellweger and Judy. So I'm just going to go Renee Zellweger and Kathy Bates. Very interesting. Um... Supporting, I I honestly could see you going Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit. Um, the quirkiness is, seems to be something that I think you'd be into, but honestly, I don't know with this lineup. So I'm going to just say, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to go Scarlett Johansson with Jojo Rabbit. And you know what? I'm going to be bold. I'm going to say you're going to go Cynthia Erivo for Harriet. Really okay. random. I truly don't know where you're going, so I'm going to stick with that. Yeah, so something else interesting that the listeners might not realize is throughout this whole past Oscar season, we didn't really discuss the nominees and <laughs> who we were feeling because we were trying to save it for this. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we really don't know where the other one's going. Uh, last episode, uh, you heard us talk about that season, and we had discussed it uh, prior because that was the season that was going on when we were first starting to record. 
and we knew who each other's winners were on the night, but we weren't sure if they had changed since then. Here, we really have no idea. I don't know who your winners were on the night in any category, and uh, you don't really know mine either. So uh, this is going to be interesting. Yeah, I think this is the first time that we're truly going into this blind as fuck for each other. Mm-hmm. So um, let's let, let's get this baby started. Let's uh, kick off this season finale. Um, your nominees for 2019 Supporting Actress were... Kathy Bates, Richard Jewell. Laura Dern, Marriage Story. Scarlett Johansson, Jojo Rabbit. Florence Pugh, Little Women. Margot Robbie, Bombshell. All right, let us start off with the winner this year, uh, Laura Dern as Nora Fernshaw in Marriage Story. This is her third of three nominations and her only win thus far. Um, she wins everywhere going into Oscar night. The Golden Globe, the BAFTA, the Critics' Choice, the National Society of Film Critics, New York Film Critics Circle, and the SAG Award. Um, in Marriage Story, again, Laura plays Nora, who is a feisty, uppity, lively, but tough-as-nails lawyer who Scarlett Johansson's character hires to sue the hell out of her husband, or not sue, but um, to divorce her husband with. And um, Brandon, let's talk about it. What do you think? So I think Laura Dern's actually pretty good in this movie. Um, I think it's too bad that a, a wave of negativity seems to have uh, plagued the feelings around this nomination and win. Uh, it's kind of strange. Laura Dern is one of those actors who... The gays all seem to worship at her altar. And um, for some reason, this is a, a win that people were bored with, even before she had officially won. And um, I think that's too bad, because if you really just isolate this performance for what it is, uh, she gives a very fiery performance, and I really enjoy it. Um, her Nora is such a predator, and uh, she is basically giving the gays everything they want. Uh, she takes command of every room she's in. She is fashionable and bold, and she is everything that we aspire to be. And it, it kind of sucks, and I feel bad for Laura Dern that uh, so many people are kind of blowing off this win. And I think it's kind of happening for two reasons. Um, she basically got everything going into this Oscar night. She was basically the front runner. She had taken so many of the major precursors and there wasn't really much suspense going into the night. And I feel like that narrative tires some people out and sometimes people can develop negative feelings toward a performer and their performance just simply because the suspense is gone. And that's not exactly fair to the actor and the performance that is given. And um, another reason I think people don't really care for this performance is because they compare it unfairly to her performance in Big Little Lies, and I don't think these characters are the same. Um, I think they're two fundamentally different people. Just because they are two West Coast rich women who with large personalities doesn't mean they're the same person. Um, so if you want to think of them as, say, animals, Nora is a shark, and Renata is a leech. 
they are two very different people when it comes to how they get what they want. Nora is a fighter and will jump right into the ring and behead her opponent and take what's rightfully hers. Renata is someone who tries to pull strings and manipulates people and kicks and screams to get what she wants. Just because they both have big personalities doesn't mean they're the same character. So I think that is an unfair comparison that I saw floating around quite a bit on the internet. And um, I think Laura Dern's tremendous here. And if it weren't for those two factors, uh, the precursors and Big Little Lies, I think this is one that people would rally around a lot more. So I also want to add a third reason, which I think people got really annoyed with this performance right off the bat is because you have to think going into this, the internet and the gays really, really backed Jennifer um, Lopez for Hustlers because this was quote unquote finally her year. And even I know when when I did the the SAG anonymous ballots for um, for our page, the I think what was I did like six or seven of them and five of them had J-Lo as their um, their supporting actress winner. So I think it was, and then of course, by the time the Oscars had come out, the nominations, JLo was missing. So it was kind of like a disappointment factor going into it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Hustlers played a big part into this, um, this narrative too. That's true. Yeah. Um, now with that said, I happen to be up in the camp where this is very much Renata and um, Nora together. And the thing is, is I agree with you on the personality differences. The issue with me though, is that Laura didn't separate her acting from either of them. That's, I think the biggest, um, the biggest criticism that I have is that essentially if you take Nora and place her into big little lies, and then you take Renata and place her into marriage story, it's the same character. There isn't really a difference. And while Laura Dern is fantastic, as a whole, like as as uh, altogether as an actress, this was just very much a win on a campaign standard because, of course, you had Diane Ladd and her campaign strategy, and it was just it was just this was a campaign win. Let's just be honest here, because you there is zero chance that you could not not take those characters and reverse them, and they could work in either narrative of those stories. So while she's good, this is just a repeat performance. And I don't really have anything negative to say on it other than that. Um, I just wish that there was more excitement going into this Oscar year. I mean, this was a year where it was very clear cut who was winning in both categories. So, I mean, the only suspense we as Oscar lovers had going into this ceremony was picture and director. And I think that also gets very worn out on people. Um, But we've talked about that before, going back 10 episodes to the season premiere. You know what I mean? Um, But yeah, I mean, she's good. It's just, this is is Renata and Renata is Nora and vice versa. Yeah, I don't think I agree with that, but I can see why people say it. Um, I would love to see Nora on Big Little Lies. I think she would be a fun character to throw into that mix, but I think Renata would suck as an attorney in the way that Nora flourishes because they have two different tactics when it comes to achieving their goals. Um, So if you look at the characters on that level, they're not really the same, but I can see in broad strokes why people lump them together, especially considering Laura Dern did them pretty close together in time. Understood. 
Now, this question has to deal with Laura. So we, uh, without giving our personal feelings, we have to answer this this way because we're going to get into it. Um, from Film Lore, uh, he wants to know, I know people think of Laura's win as a career Oscar. That's because it is. But I genuinely enjoy that performance, and I love Laura's win, and I think she deserved it. With that said, who do you think was possibly second place to her, if anyone? Well, someone has to be. Let's just put it that way. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think I honestly in this lineup, I would have to say Scarlett Johansson, because if anything, I remember there being the narrative of if anyone's going to upset, it's going to be her. And then also, too, with the double nomination, like we hadn't had that in a while. And usually with a double nomination, there's one of them is always in second. And I think with that, it wasn't going to be Marriage Story. So it had to have been Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, I'm going back and forth between two of them. Uh, Scarlett Johansson is one of them. Um, she's having a hell of a year. And I can see uh, people getting behind her, um, especially the folks who realized that the Zellweger win was inevitable. Um, mm -hmm. So I could see them putting their weight behind Jojo Rabbit. The other one is Florence Pugh. I remember Florence Pugh being pretty high on a lot of people's lists. And um, there being some talk of if it's, if it's going to be anyone upsetting Dern, it just might be Pugh. Um, I'm not sure um, about that, but um, I don't think it was Bates or Robbie. I think if anyone, it was either Johansson or Pew. Well, that was the thing this year, because I've said it before, it's usually those rando noms that get in with like one to zero precursors would most likely be second or third. But the thing is, is that everyone got something in this lineup. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like a rando from anybody. Um, but we'll get to that shortly. Um, moving on, speaking of Scarlett Johansson, let's go to her as Rose in Jojo Rabbit. This is her first of two nominations, the other being this year as well. Um, going into Oscar night, she gets uh, uh, nominations from BAFTA, Critics' Choice, and two SAG awards, uh, two SAG nominations for supporting and then cast. In Jojo Rabbit, again, Scarlett plays Rose, who is the mother of... She's the mother of a German boy who's training to be a Nazi while also trying to figure out if it's the right thing to do in his life while she is hiding and protecting a Jewish girl in their home um, that unfortunately has devastating consequences on her end. Uh, Brandon, let's talk. So I actually really like Scarlett Johansson in this movie. I really like when movies give Scarlett Johansson the opportunity to be a little bit subtle, a little bit more low-key because I think she is actually a very tender and subdued performer when she's in that lane. And um, Jojo Rabbit gives her that opportunity to be this, um, this mother figure that's not just, you know, the mother who's always on the back burner, this sort of thankless role. It kind of puts her at the forefront in a couple of key scenes and she's actively involved in the story and what's going on. And um, it gives her some humorous uh, moments to stand out. And um, I don't know if this is really Scarlett Johansson performing, but um, the shot of her shoes. I think you know what I mean when I say that. Yeah. Um, that really took me aback and actually took me a moment to realize what I was looking at. I don't know if that was even Scarlett Johansson's feet. Uh, pr probably not. But if they were, I think that'd be cool. But um, I think this movie is really building her up in a way and utilizing 
her very specific talents of what makes her a unique performer. And I wish more movies gave her that opportunity. She sort of developed this movie star blockbuster um, persona. And in a way, that's great for her, um, you know, financially. And um, I think that's uh, wonderful that she's been able to carve out that path. But um, I think she's also someone who deserves these more um, dramatic, um, sometimes low-key performances to really show viewers what she's capable of beyond car chases and explosions. So, um, yeah, I think Jojo Rabbit is a really a really fine example of what Scarlett Johansson can do um, when she's given the material. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I I really like Jojo Rabbit as a movie. I think it's really funny and it's heartbreaking and touching at the same time and it teaches great lessons. Um, and Scarlett is a beautiful breath of fresh in the comedy department here because she is really funny here. And it's it at first it's a little uncomfortable with the comedy because of the subject matter, but she makes it work. And there, like, I genuinely was sad. Like the the death, you guys have had time to watch this. The death of her character is really heartbreaking, and it's actually one of those movie deaths where you feel something. Um, there is, she's so powerful here. There is. After she dies, a chunk of this movie missing, and it's her, and it's her presence, and it's her character, because she was doing the right thing. She was protecting a girl from this horrible, horrible um, chapter in human history, and it is, she, she plays like one of those mom characters who you know would just give you a hug when you're feeling down and would feed you when you're feeling hungry and would make you laugh when you're feeling sad. And it honestly gave me a whole new respect for Johansson and it as an actress, because we're so used to her in this last decade doing those car chases and amazing stunts and, you know, her amazing work with Black Widow. Um, yeah, this is fantastic. I think this is a great nomination, and I really, really like her in this. Yeah, I think what she is able to do in the movie leading up to the reveal that she has died, um, and that's the shot of the shoes that I referenced earlier, I think what she did leading up to that moment is why I was I legitimately gasped at that reveal. Um, yeah. And it's yeah. so expertly directed. Uh, cause that shot where they show her swinging feet and you know what that symbolizes, it's the shot is several seconds long and mm. I'm really grateful that it was because it, it legitimately did take me a couple of moments to realize exactly what was on camera and the moment it registered whose shoes I was looking at, I legitimately went like, <gasps> and yeah. That was pretty unusual for me to have such a physical reaction to the death of the character. And I think it's because it was so carefully directed and every scene up until that moment, Scarlett Johansson has been such a light and such a breath of fresh air. And um, yeah, it's a it's a wonderful little performance and it all comes together so well. 
Yeah. Um, it's it, it's one of the most touching moments in film last year was the realization of what we were looking at. And that's the brilliance of Taika Waititi's direction and his script and his storytelling. And then that is the brilliance of Johansson's acting to get us to actually care about what we just saw. Um, brilliant. It's fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. All right. Coming up next, we have Florence Pugh as Amy March in Little Women. This is her sole nomination thus far. Going to Oscar night, only nominations from BAFTA, Critics' Choice, and the National Society of Film Critics. In Little Women, Florence plays Amy, who's a whiny little shit, who you just want to slap, and she is all about marrying a rich man. Sound familiar? Um, and just trying to live a champagne lifestyle on a Miller Lite budget. Um, Brandon, let's talk. I'm just picturing the image of these these little women in period costumes sipping on Miller Lite. That's really funny. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> I actually really like Florence Pugh in this, and I actually really like this movie. I was surprised. Um, I didn't think I would care for it, but uh, I was genuinely surprised by how taken I was with it. And um, I think Florence Pugh is quite good in it. Um, I really understand this character in a way. Um, this person trying to carve out or forge her own path and um, just trying to master her craft of painting and uh, doing so while exploring the world and having all this um, this uh, desire to be cultured and whatnot. And... Um, I really dig it. Uh, she's uh, also a little firecracker at times, and um, I think it's exactly what the movie needs and what the um, uh, Saoirse Ronan character needs at times to sort of snap her back to reality and uh, keep her in check. And um, I really dig Florence Pugh in this, and uh, I'm not sure what else to say. I feel like I'm just like repeating myself, but uh, I buy her in these moments uh, throughout the film. Um, even when she's playing the younger version of herself, I'm okay with it. Uh, visually, she does not look like she's 12, but I don't actually mind that. I kind of buy into this idea that movies are inherently an artifice. And if the director and the actor just kind of make that conscious artistic decision, to just go with it, and the actor appropriately plays the character in that uh, age mind frame, as I think Florence Pugh does, I think it's fine, because when we see her at these different points in her life, years apart, she is not the same Amy. Uh, there's a clear distinction between the adolescent, uh, preteen Amy and the adult Amy, the way she carries herself, the way she speaks. And um, I don't need her to be like dressed down or I don't even know how you would apply makeup to make her look that much younger because um, the age difference isn't actually that much, but it's at you know, that key point in adolescence where people's appearance uh, changes. But uh, Pew and Gerwig, I think, do a pretty good job at keeping the two timelines, the two eras distinct. 
um, not only visually, but in the performances of the characters. You see the their evolution and their maturity um, when you pair them side by side. So um, I'm actually okay with it. And I know a lot of people aren't, but um, it, it worked for me. I just kind of went with it. And um, I think Florence Pugh um, does a pretty good job with it. I'm a little confused with your reaction to this on the age thing, especially with both of us being so critical on Jennifer Lawrence with Silver Linings and American Hustle, because this is a worst case of someone being the wrong age for a role. Um, let, let, let me let me get out my thoughts, and then I, I want to open up that discussion with you really quick. Um, Pew is all wrong here. She's wrong for this role for many reasons. Number one, she's way too old. Um, it's not believable. There's never, there's actually a very confusing moment in this movie where you're like, wait a minute, how old is she? Um, the, like when she's younger, she's this grown ass adult, but she's she's talking like this, and it's very, very dolly like, and it's just, it's, it's, it's a parody of itself, and it doesn't work. Um, it's actually quite embarrassing. I felt bad for her watching this movie. Um, as we know now, I'm not a fan of Little Women. I've we talked about it back in 1994. Um, I'm very vocal on how much this version I thought was even worse than the 1994 version. Um, it's just it's a story that's just overdone. Nothing's new to it. I don't care who you cast it as. It's just it's dumb as fuck. Um, Pew here just this is this is a very thankless role for her because it's not giving her anything to do outside of just being a bratty pouty little bitch um she's she's selling the brattiness sure but she's way too old for it um it would literally be like i don't know if you it reminded me of i don't know if you guys remember a couple years ago miley cyrus when she was going through that weird tongue stage with like wrecking ball and everything she did this like music video called baby talk where it was her like in an oversized diaper and bonnet and just like the video is very odd and the song goes with it well that's essentially what this reminded me of she was she it just doesn't work here um this is probably like i would consider this one of the worst nominations of this decade for this category because this is just all over the place it doesn't make it, it the, I, I saw some some criticism of the, on the film where people like it doesn't make sense the timeline like that makes sense what doesn't make sense is pew in this role throughout the whole thing at least what the 94 version did correctly was have kristen dunce in the younger role and then another actress in the older role that worked that was believable this is not believable um, to go into our conversation, though, what I brought up earlier, it just that doesn't make sense to me. I guess hearing you say that this makes sense, but Lawrence didn't. Um, I'm very curious to hear what, like, why you think Lawrence didn't make sense, but this does, um, because this is a more clear-cut example of playing way too young. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, Lawrence in those movies is, uh, she's only playing those characters at one point in their life. This movie takes place over many years. So uh, Florence Pugh and, and Gerwig are making a conscious choice to cast one actor to play that person and just have the actor uh, demonstrate the development of a character over a period of time. In Silver Linings Playbook and American Household, those movies take place over a very short span of time. So 
oh, Russell and Lawrence aren't really demonstrating anything in that regard. He just cast someone who was never age appropriate for the person. Uh, here in Little Women, Gerwig is taking a little bit more liberty with it. And um, I think that's just her style as a director. It's, uh, she's a little bit more liberal in that way. And um, she decided to let one person um, show the entire development of a character from beginning to end. And Pew um, adjusts and um, acts accordingly, depending on what year of this story we are in. So um, the casting decisions are different uh, based on what the directors were going for. Uh, it doesn't work for me. It was, um, I actually, I saw this film twice. Well, once and a half. I saw it all the way through. And then I took my friend, um, Regina at that time. We had the, uh, this, uh, the Regal Pass. So the 20 bucks a month gets you unlimited movies. And we went in and it was the first time we ever walked out of a movie because she's like, I can't fucking take this. Like between the story and pew and just in general she's like i need to go and i think we left around the time when um when they were what was it pew was like dancing around someone was leaving the house in the big carriage for the first time like it was probably 25 minutes into the movie and i don't know just something about little women just rubs me the wrong way like it's so redundant and reductive as a story at this point it just i don't know i'm trying not to be biased with my feeling of little women when it comes to the acting um but uh, yeah this just doesn't work for me doesn't yeah, that's work fine yeah I mean, it's okay to have a property that just doesn't work for you um what i like more about this one as opposed to the 1994 version is gerwig seems to be making bolder artistic choices uh the 1994 version is a little bit more buttoned up and traditional and here uh, gerwig's playing around a little bit more um with the formula and um, with her casting decisions, and it just feels more, I don't know, it feels fresher to me, and it engaged me more on, um, I guess you could say, an intellectual level. So um, I was more taken with this Little Women than I expected to be, and so um, it got me thinking. I think that's why I'm okay with uh, Pew in this role, all things considered. Yeah, understood. Next nominee is Margot Robbie as Kayla Pospisil, which I didn't even know her character had a last name until I looked it up on IMDb for this. Um, in Bombshell, this is her second of two nominations. Going into Oscar night, nominations across the board from Golden Globes, BAFTA Critics' Choice, and two SAG noms for supporting and cast. In Bombshell, Margot plays the, she plays the fictional character of the three ladies um, who represents a mixture of a bunch of women who were working at Fox News at the time, who experiences uh, Roger Ailes's sexual harassment firsthand, and um, eventually fights against the man. Um, so let's talk Bombshell. Let's talk Margot Robbie. This is the first of two for Bombshell tonight. What do you think? Um, so I think Margot Robbie is uh, perfectly fine in this role. Um, it's not necessarily anything extraordinary, but I don't think she's bad by any means. Um, what I like about this, uh, this portrayal is we see this character at um, different points in her um, idealism. Uh, she's someone who I would imagine was brought up revering Fox News and um, to work here at this propaganda apparatus 
is a dream come true for her. And uh, over time, um, when she sees all the horrible things that are happening behind the scenes and then uh, experiences some awkward, horrible things herself, uh, that ideal dreamscape slowly begins to deteriorate and chip away. And um, I think Margot Robbie does a pretty, pretty good job of showing us the process of someone's uh, dreams crumbling. Um, like there's that scene where um, she's one-on-one -on -one in that meeting with, um, is it Roger Ailes or is it, Mur it it's Ailes. I get him and Murdoch mixed up. It but um, where he like has her pull up her, her dress to show her legs because he has to determine whether or not her legs are any good. And then he has her like spin around for him. There's this like, this face on her face to uh, quote uh, Tony Collette. <laughs> it's almost like she's, so she's masking in this moment. She's all smiles and bubbly and trying to put on a show for him because she thinks this is what's good for her career. This is what everyone does. This is what you must do. It's all part of the routine. But behind the facade, she recognizes that this is deeply fucked up. And um, she's just going to push through it because she's at Fox and Fox is the best and fuck it all. But over time, it kind of, you know, begins to really get to her and she hears all these other stories and witnesses other things. And um, I really like the, uh, it's not really a spiral, but um, we see a completely different side of her slowly over time as she begins to recognize um, all the, the toxic patriarchy uh, that is just oozing at Fox News. And um, it's a performance that I don't know that she ever really has a moment, or at least I'm struggling to picture a moment in my head, but um, it's, a, it's a very deliberate performance throughout, I think. And she has a very, uh, it, I guess you could call it a sad arc, but at the same time, I, I don't want to say I don't have sympathy for her because she went through some horrible things, no doubt. But I don't know, going into an environment like Fox News and um, expecting it to be, you know, sunshine and cupcakes and then realizing it's the opposite. I'm kind of on my end of the television going, well, duh. So I'm kind of a... I have mixed feelings about how I feel about this character and where my sympathies lie. But um, Margot Robbie does a, a pretty fine job at um, showing the changes in this character over time. Yeah, I mean, her situation with is awful, for sure. Um, I, I feel for her. Like, her breakdown on the phone with Kate McKinnon at when she's on her date is breaking um, because she truly realizes that she dug herself in so deep for wanting the job that she was. I'm trying to word this the right way. Um, cause I don't want to seem insensitive to the subject matter. Cause I'm not. Um, I know that's why I was struggling. Cause it's a yeah. tricky thing to talk about. All right. Here's, here's full disclosure. I've experienced this. So I'm, exp I'm, I'm talking about this as someone who's gone through this. All right. So I'm not, I'm not, 
um, desensitized to what's going on. So I'm going to be very blunt. If that's not your thing, skip ahead a little bit or just listen. All right. So she gets to a point where she's like, holy shit, I put myself in the scenario. I went through with it. And even though I know it's wrong, now it's fucking with me, which is very, I hate to say this, but it's very common with victims of sexual harassment. When you're in that moment, it literally is true when they say it's an outer body experience to where you freeze. And some people be like, oh, you fight back. It's not that easy. It really is not. So now she's experiencing almost that PTSD as a sexual harassment survivor. And the way Robbie portrays that is fucking brilliant and on point because again i'm speaking as someone who has survived sexual harassment and rape so i i understand and connect with that character um and the way she portrays it is very very um on brand now um there is some funny moments with her as well um mainly when she's like this is fox news this is what i want to do you know I first of all, I really like Bombshell. Um, I wish it was more successful uh, commercially um, because I think it, it's a lot better than The Big Short. I know it's the same director, or not the same director, um, but the same writer. And um, at least I'm, I think it is. Now I'm blanking. Now I feel stupid if it's not. Um, but I really appreciate. It. Plus, too, I'm really into politics um, and American history and history in general. And this is like a big part of it. Um, and I hate Fox News because it's a propaganda machine. So I love to see, you know, everything on that realm go up in flames. Um, with that said, um, there is some funny moments in here when she's like breaking down to Kim McKinnon, like, like Fox's church. My, my family had the little Fox logo burnt into it and it actually burns onto the screen. Like, I think it's brilliant. Um, so I get the full spectrum with her. Um, and... You know, like Scarlett Johansson and Jojo Rabbit, there's she makes me care about her character. Um, I think Margot Robbie did really well here. Um, I think there isn't a dull moment with her. And it really goes to show me, I mean, we've seen her play a real person a few years ago with Tanya Harding. Um, she can play real, she can play fictional, she can play a mixture of real people here. I just think this is a great nomination and people need to really look at it and give it some more credit because I know she doesn't get enough credit for this one. Um, but yeah, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, it's a very careful performance. Yeah. Uh, there's, a very, there's a very slow change in her over time which I really did. Like the, when we see her in the beginning, when we see her at the end, she's in two very different points um, in her life and her outlook and the way she feels about um, this church of hers uh, that she's been invited into. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't think it's a bad performance whatsoever. Uh, I think it's just, you know, it's a one you really have to pay attention to. And um, like we've said, it's a very tricky um, subject that they're covering. And um, due to the setting and um, the people that it's focusing on, uh, because it focuses on this uh, very delicate subject matter um, with these women at this place where people on the other side of the political aisle um, already have uh, some pre-existing um, animosities. So um, as a viewer, the movie puts us in this strange uh, discourse. And um, it's what makes it so tricky to talk about because we know that this place is fucked up, 
but we also want to sympathize with these characters. And of course we do on a certain level because they are human beings, but um, due to where they are, where they are, uh, it really makes it confusing. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not probably not putting that very well. No, no, no. It makes sense for sure because you do feel like it's natural and it's okay to feel a little like serve you right for being in that because that's a I think that's a human response to hearing this. But at the same time, with that said, as natural as that is, you also have to I feel like step back and be like, okay, this is not okay. This mm -hmm. is still a person. This is. It's it's also really hard to think that way when it becomes partisan with one side really trying to stop um, it from happening and the other side calling it fake news. And it's really, you know, for it to that for it to happen to them, it's almost like just desserts. But you also have to realize it no matter if it still happened to them, they still went on with the narrative of it's fake news or it's a liberal conspiracy, which is sad because it's like, bro, it like happened to you. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it, you know, I understand what you're saying hundred percent. Yeah. I don't want to give the impression that I'm victim blaming or saying, you know, if anyone deserved it because they absolutely did not. It's just a, it's a tricky movie. Yes, for sure. Um, anything else before we move on? Um, I don't think so. All right. Our final nominee this year is the return of Ms. Kathy Bates as Bobby Jewell in Richard Jewell. This is her fourth of four nominations thus far. Um, going into Oscar night, she does have a win here. So she's the only one besides Laura Dern going into this night with a win. And that is from National Board of Review. And then a Golden Globe nomination for Best Supporting Actress. Um, in Richard Jewell, again, Kathy plays Bobby, who is the mother of the Richard Jewell character, who... Um, defends her son, fights for her son's, um, um, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Innocence. In a, thank you. Innocence. And at the same time is also victim to what's going on around her from the press with manipulation. So let's talk. So I'm in a way kind of pleased that Kathy Bates was able to, you know, pull this off, get her first nomination in quite a while. And, um, she's fine in the movie to be honest i'm not a big fan of the movie itself um i think it's kind of lacking in a, a lot of places and um clint eastwood's political ideology is a uh, pretty on display here uh once again and um kathy bates i think is able to um make the most of this character um not very much i think is really demanded of her as a performer but she is able to um take the reins in a lot of scenes and um, leave a mark. Uh, very early on in the movie, uh, you get an impression of who this woman is uh, when you see her interact with her son. And um, as the, the story unfolds and um, the authorities are coming for him because you know they suspect he was involved in this uh, bombing, um, Kathy Bates is um, heartbreaking at times. Uh, she's uh, really in it, really committed, and um, that's fully on display in that um, press conference scene, which I would say is like her big moment. 
um, when she really like breaks down and uh, turns on the Kathy Bates machine. Um, I don't know that it's um, anything groundbreaking or um, anything surprising coming from Kathy Bates. Uh, it never really stood out to me as anything um, unusual from her or surprising. It's uh, Kathy Bates doing her thing and um, she does her thing well and uh, good for her, I suppose. But it's not exactly one that I'm writing home about. Yeah, um, well, kudos for Kathy Bates because she now has three consecutive decades worth of nominations. So let's see if she can pull a fourth um, in this decade. Um, I think her her nomination here is quite wonderful. Um, she's the best thing about Richard Jewell, and I mean, not and this isn't shade, but Richard Jewell is a terrible fucking movie, so it's really not that high of a bar to be set at. Um, I actually yeah. saw this in theaters before you did. And what really bugged me about this movie was just the whole portrayal of um, what was going on. And there was a specific moment in this movie that I just found like was really fucking appalling. And I texted you on this. Um, There's a point in this movie where Richard Jewell, who is literally already being condemned in the press and by the people, is being called a terrorist and uh, a murderer. And yet when someone mentions him possibly being homosexual he isn't worried about being called a terrorist but he wants to really make it adamant that he isn't gay and i was like well that's fucking offensive the fact that according to clint eastwood in this character that being gay is worse than being a terrorist so go fuck yourself on that one let me just start with that not too happy about that um with that said too um bates is wonderful here um, she is truly a delight, and it is one of those performances that when you are in such a shitty movie and you can shine, like, good for good for her. Um, I have no complaints about her performance. I think that it is – this could have been very much a throwaway role. This is a really good nomination for her, and, yeah, I dig it. Yeah, uh, she's definitely the best thing about this movie, which is um, – the movie's pretty much trash. Yeah. And uh, – like you said, it's not a high bar uh, to be the best thing here. And if the movie were to be recognized at the Oscars for just one thing, I'm glad it was Kathy Bates and um, not, you know, anything else. Uh, but yeah, I don't think she's bad whatsoever. I don't have any specific negatives. Um, it just, it feels like uh, Kathy Bates probably could have done this in her sleep and been good. Uh, but she is good. So go Kathy. Yeah. Now, we can get to some questions now that wrap around um, this lineup as a whole. And, of course, as, as soon as I want to do that, I can't find it. Ah, here we go. Um, let's start with this. Mika wants to know, who is more surprising? So who is the more surprising supporting actress now, Bates or Pew? But I'm going to combine this question, too, with um, another one, which, of course, I can't find again. Ah, from Sienna, from Sienna Miller with two R's. If Jayla was nominated, who do you think she would replace Florence Pugh or Kathy, ba Kathy Bates? Um, can I take this first? Yeah. Okay. So um, there's been this weird um, narrative throughout this season. And this is something I was really waiting for to this. The, the idea that Kathy Bates took JLo's spot here. Now, I factored in everything like I factored in when we talked about 2016 with um, uh, Portman versus Stone versus Hubert, 
and really how Stone was the least likely out of the three to win going into that night with the um, with the precursors and everything and yada, yada, yada. And even though Huppert had the most precursors, Portman had the most wins and how it all factored in. So I did that here, too. Now, going into Oscar night, Pew does rank higher than Bates when it comes to nominations. But these are nominations like the Hawaii Film Critics, the... Um, I didn't write them all down for this one, but for an example, they were like really rando, non-factorial nominations like Dallas-Fort Worth and, you know, the Kids' Choice Awards or whatever the fuck it was. Um, so Pew, while beats Bates there, people were like, oh, Pew was in, hello, of course she's got picture, yada, yada, yada. Now, think about the past portrayals of, of Little Women in the Academy. This Amy March has never been recognized. It's never been about Amy March. It's always been about Joe. Um, and so that in, ex in itself was a surprise. Now, also, too, people were like, oh, well, she got the BAFTA nomination. Well, that doesn't mean shit here because Oscar nominations were revealed, I believe, the night before, or no, I'm sorry, Oscar closing of the voting to be nominated happened the night before BAFTA was even announced. So going into Oscar voting, Pew only had a Critics' Choice. And while there's no shade towards the Critics' Choice, Critics' Choice nominee was a far lesser bar for an Oscar nomination compared to Golden Globe nom or Golden Globe nominee Kathy Bates. And Bates was the only one of the of these whole this whole lineup outside of Dern to win anything, and that's in the National Board of Review. So Bates already has the upper hand here, therefore being that Bates was not the one to take J-Lo's nomination. It was Pew. Pew was the surprise here. Bates was always a possibility. Um, Bates or Benning going into this, Benning for the uh, that Amazon movie, The Report or whatever, because they were at Golden Globe. And Golden, Golden Globes outside of the Oscars is like one of the big factors going into Oscar night. Um, there's no way in hell that Bates took JLo's spot. It was definitely Pew. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I could see it going either way. Um, your rationale makes sense. Um, uh, the idea that it could have been Pew, uh, seems valid. The idea that it could have been Bates also seems valid. Um, you never really know, uh, how people are voting and whether people actually, use precursors to determine how they think or whether there's just, you know, movies have a certain momentum or overlap with voting bodies. Um, I could honestly see it going either way. Um, Pew had the momentum of the movie she was in, uh, whereas Bates did not. Uh, she was pretty much like the, the lone representative of her film, um, at most places. So, um, I could really see it going either way. Um, I'm not positive in any certain direction, but um, assuming that Little Women had more momentum, I think it it makes more sense to me that Pew was uh, more secure. But um, I don't know. I, I definitely see what you're saying. Um, it's just it's I just look into everything. Like Amy, the character of Amy March has never been a factor into anything here. Kathy Bates was a was a vet. She was campaigning hard. Of course, there was the thing where she campaigned in lead for SAG, which would have been stupid. I don't know why she chose lead there. Um, 
I don't, it, it just, I just look at it this way. Bates had the Golden Globe nomination. She already had the National Board of Review win. Pugh going into Oscar night only had the Critics' Choice nomination until BAFTA was announced the very next day. So it, uh, I just don't see Pugh ever standing a chance. I think Bates had more of a chance to win this than Pugh. But when I guess when it comes to the answer from Mika, I think the more surprising nomination for me was Pugh. Um, and if you had to pick one, I guess, for him, what would you say? Um. I mean, I suppose Bates. For some reason, I was expecting on the morning for Pew's name to be called more so than Bates. So on a personal level, that's just where I was. Um, mm -hmm. When it comes to Bates and lead at SAG, I'm pretty sure that was a mistake. I think I remember that being news one day, that there was a mistake in the filing or something, and she wasn't actually supposed to be lead. Um, one of our friends who follows all this much closer than... I do probably has the answer, but if I recall correctly, that was an error on um, the nominating process. So um, I think that's why that was. And if she had been um, correctly filed in supporting, if that's even true, perhaps she might have she might have pulled out a nomination there as well. Um, also, too, Oscars fans at Happy or So wants to know what factors caused the snub of J Lo for Hustlers. Honestly, I don't know. She showed up everywhere that she needed to be. Um, she had the momentum for everything for this to work out. This is one of the most jaw dropping snubs in my lifetime that I've witnessed since I've really joined up with this. Um, it makes no sense to me. JLo, honestly, if JLo was here, she'd be my winner. Um, she deserved to be in supporting actress. She deserved to win. Um, this doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. She, she really should have been here. I think it's a mixture of um, snobbery, uh, racism, and category confusion. So I think there are a few things playing negatively in her court. Uh, but I think she's, she gives a fantastic performance in Hustlers. And um, I would love a movie like Hustlers just to be nominated, period. But uh, her performance is also quite good. So um, I have a feeling it's a mixture of those three. And then finally, um, just because this will deal with the supporting ladies as well, um, Renato Sosa wants to know there, or say, hey, listen, they're all incredible. But if you had to pick just one lady from Parasite, who would it be? Um, I've been very vocal on that before. I think Park Sodem should have been in here for Parasite. She's my favorite thing about that movie uh, when it comes to the acting. So what about you? Um, I'm so bad with names. Uh, the lady that played the uh, original housekeeper uh, who's she's allergic so to the peaches. Good. Yeah, she's my favorite of the ladies. So um, if I had to pick one, it would be her. Yes. She's also really good. I, I like that. Yes. Uh, the Park So Dan is also pretty good. Yeah. Your nominees for Best Actress in a Leading Role in 2019 were... Cynthia Revo, Harriet. Scarlett Johansson, Marriage Story. Saoirse Ronan, Little Women. Charlize Theron, Bombshell. Renee Zellweger, Judy. All right, let's start with our winner for the year, Renee Zellweger, winning for Judy. This is her second of two wins and her fourth of four nominations. Going into this, uh, she was pretty much the one to beat, 
as she wins the Golden Globe for drama, the BAFTA, SAG, Critics' Choice, the Indie Spirit Award, the National Board of Review, and the AARP Movies for Grownups Awards. And she's also um, nominated for a bunch of regional uh, film critics awards. In Judy, Renee Zellweger plays the legendary Judy Garland in her final years of uh, her life as she's struggling to stay afloat financially and um, stay culturally relevant. So um, how do you feel about Renee Zellweger and Judy? Let me start with this. Um, I just want to get this gripe out of the way. She was in the wrong category at the Golden Globes. Um, she should not have been in drama and just like Aquafina should not have been in comedy. They should have switched. Um, if we can accept the fact and all be on the same page that Angela Bassett won the correct category for Golden Globes in musical and comedy. Um, there's no reason why Zawiger should have been in drama and that conversation should have never happened um, because that would make what hypocrites. Okay. Now that that's out of the way, um, Zawiger is really good here. I, I, the thing is, is that this whole acting uh, ladies from both categories of 2019 is I think one of the weakest acting years in a long time as a whole. Um, so this idea that she had this in the bag from the moment it premiered at what I, at, I think it was what Toronto, um, I could be wrong on where it premiered at what film festival is just odd to me. Um, because while there are good performances in this lineup, just, it's just, I don't know. It was very, very, very lackluster. Um, I think this is also a win that's very much the makeup. Um, while Zellweger is very good, I, I just wonder if we're just rewarding the makeup here. Um, I don't really have a complaint about it. It's just, I'm not very enthusiastic about her. Um, but I, it's weird that I accept this win. I don't know if that makes any sense because I feel like we're just so prone to it by now. Um, I think Zellweger does a fine job with her vocal and her um, her her physical appearance as Judy. I don't know. It's just, it doesn't blow me away, but I weirdly accept it. Yeah, I'm kind of in a similar boat. Um, I think she does pretty well uh, with the role. Um, you know, she taps into some very uh, minute uh, mannerisms in the character, and she um, she paints a very full portrait of who she's playing, and uh, she seems to play it with um, a sense of respectability and um, sincerity and sensitivity, and um, I really dig that. Uh, it's um it's a performance that um. I don't know. I guess I buy it at a certain point. Um, I think the movie itself is a little lackluster. Uh, it doesn't really stand out on a technical or directorial level, but um, as a vehicle for this leading performance, um, I think it's fine. Uh, I think Zellweger, uh, it makes sense why a lot of people were able to get behind her. Uh, you know, she had all sorts of narratives going into this and you know judy garland's a very you know universally recognized uh figure and um she didn't exactly disappoint a lot of people um of course you know there's some vocal um critics of it and uh that's you know understandable when you're playing someone so iconic uh but i think uh she does a pretty good job of portraying this character in a way that is approachable um playing her in a way where 
you don't need to necessarily be an expert on Judy Garland and her life story to see all the little details that Zellweger as a performer is putting into it. So um, it's a win that I don't really mind. Um, I kind of feel uh, similar to uh, how you expressed. Um, not sure if she's who I would have voted for personally, but um, I get it. And um, for some reason, I'm not really upset about it. Yeah, it's weird. Just this like neutral, what is it? Neutrality, neutrality. Help me words. <laughs> Feeling ne neutral? Like, yeah, is there like a, is there a word? I'm working with. Neutrality is a word. It is a word? Okay, that yeah. word. Yeah, let's, well, let's work with it. There's like this weird neutrality about it that I'm just like, okay. Yeah, um, it's, yeah, I've just accepted it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we do have a question uh, from Alex Bustillos. Is there an actress that could have been a better Judy? Hmm. I don't know. I'm not... Well, I mean... Well, I was going to say, well, the obvious choice at perhaps a different point in her life would have been Liza Minnelli. But um, that's just, you know, fun casting. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not sure right now who would have been better. I'd have to think about that one. Karen Black. Oh, obviously, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I also thought Liza Minnelli, but I wonder if Liza Minnelli would ever de like want yeah, to do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing. It's, you know, one of those too close to home moments. So. Right. So our next nominee is Cynthia Erivo, nominated for Harriet. This is her first and only acting nomination. Uh, but she has also recognized this same night for original song for Harriet. She does not win anything major going into Oscar night, but she is recognized uh, with the Golden Globes, SAG, Critics' Choice, and the Image Awards. In Harriet, Cynthia Erivo plays Harriet Tubman, and the movie chronicles her own escape from slavery, then her uh, journey to hero status as she helps hundreds more escape slavery. So how do you feel about Cynthia Erivo and Harriet? So I like Cynthia Erivo here. Um, I actually remember there was a period of time last summer, or maybe it was the year before. Yeah, because what year were we in? I don't even know what year we're in right now. Um, maybe it was the end of 2018, actually, when the first photos of Cynthia Erivo as Harriet had come out, and everyone was like, oh, here it is. Get the Oscar speech ready, because, you know, people love to do that shit. And I was, <laughs> it was so funny to me to eventually see the narrative change to where it was like, get the Oscar speech ready to people were like, why the fuck is she nominated? Um, and I think that's unfair because she's really good here. Um, people have their comments on the movie. And my favorite are like the people who are like, this doesn't represent anything when it was written and then produced and then directed all by people of color. Um, Cassie Lemons, who had directed Eve's Bayou, uh, directed this. And I think the film, I really enjoyed the film. I think it's a good film. Um, whether or not the things line up, that's not my place to um, judge on, I feel, because it's, you know, we're talking about the performance here. Even though we do get into the films sometimes, this is just not one where I feel like it's my place. Um, now, with that said, um, I think uh, Arivo does a really good job here. I, uh, you know, there, there's never, she's she's one of those actresses who you wouldn't realize is English. Uh, with her accent until she talks about it. And I know that was a big um, um, 
what's what I'm like? I can't talk today. I can't talk ever. I know that was a big criticism from people. It was why is this English actress playing this, especially after some comments she's made in the past? Um, number one, people change. You have to realize that comments and things are uh, a way for people to either grow from or still be at that level. And I think she grew from that. Um, and if the director and the writer and the producers trusted her enough to grow from that time in her life, I think that is unfair to judge her on. Um, and I think people need to grow the fuck up from that. Now, with that said, I think her acting here is really good. I think um, she she made me feel for Harriet Tubman. She made me feel, obviously, um, for what was going around her. And I don't really have a complaint about here. Uh, yeah, I think she's good. What about you? I think she's perfectly fine. Um, I found the movie as a whole just sort of underwhelming in the way that it's sort of constructed and put together. Um, and unfortunately, I think that sort of dragged her down for me personally. But I think she, as a performer, is she's obviously quite talented uh, when you, you know, see everything that she has done. And I think she is um, making the most um, out of this material. Um, it's not exactly the most subtle of performances, but I don't know that it really needed to be. And um, perhaps if she was, she might have gotten a little bit lost in this movie. Um, I'm not sure what it is about the movie. I'd have to like revisit it and really, you know, take notes, but it just, it wasn't, the pieces weren't falling into place for me with the way that it was all put together. Um, so I think Cynthia Erivo being such a, a bold, large performer actually helped her um, to stand out in that regard. Uh, because I don't think this is a role that necessarily needed to be subtle with the way that the movie was told. Um, so I get that aspect. Um, I also get all the other little narrative things that you were mentioning, all the, uh, you know, things about her personal life and the thing, her opinions from the past and all that. And I think it's um, perfectly valid to take note of it. Uh, but ultimately, you know, I'm just sort of looking at the movie itself. And um, she really takes the reins. Um, in this film, uh, you know, she um, she becomes the titular role and um, good for her. But uh, it's ultimately not a movie or a performance that I'm super, you know, over the moon with. Understood. Understood. Well, I think that takes my prediction for you out of the picture for her. <laughs> but uh, you never know. <laughs> yeah, I could I could hate all of them. You don't know. Right, right. Um, we don't have any questions regarding Cynthia Revo. I will say, though, I was very surprised. I at least expected her to go home with song this year. I think a lot of people did. Mm -hmm. Um, very shocking, because I think her song is was the best in that lineup. Um, so it was a little disappointing to not see her become an EGOT this past February. Yeah. Well, it'll be more exciting, I suppose, if she ends up getting it for the Color Purple film. Because uh, then she would have, you know, one property uh, across the four film or across the four awards which would be kind of neat i guess no one's ever done that before so um yeah it would have been cool if she had won the oscar but i guess it's also cool if it ends up happening for the color purple i would like to say too please let margaret avery be in the color purple somewhere and please let someone really do so well with suge that they win an oscar for suge because justice for margaret avery and justice for suge yes yes please literally one of the best roles in that movie and Margaret Avery has been the only one because of, you know, obviously the stage play and the musical didn't happen to 
bring a nomination to Shug, and I would love to see it happen again because there's so much there, and it always goes to Sophia, which makes me so sad. Didn't, uh, is that the role Jennifer Hudson played? In the... I believe so. And she was snubbed, and I remember she went on like this epic Twitter or Instagram rant yes. about being snubbed. Yes. Kind of fun. Um, anything else on Cynthia? Nope. Our third nominee is Scarlett Johansson, uh, nominated here for Marriage Story. I suppose you could say this is her second of two uh, nominations, since this one comes later on in the night. Um, she wins a handful of critics awards, uh, but nothing major, so to speak. Uh, but she does get nominated with the Globes, BAFTA, Critics Choice, and SAG. In Marriage Story, Scarlett Johansson plays Nicole Barber, an actress in the process of divorcing her director husband while trying to find herself and uh, be a mother to their son. So how do you feel about Scarlett Johansson in Marriage Story? So now that we're here, even though we've talked about Dern, I can finally get my feelings as a whole on this because there's two nominees here. I really hate Marriage Story. I think it's an awful movie. It's boring as fuck. And it really is so disinteresting. Like, I don't care why these two rich-ass people, one of whom do doesn't even make sense that they're he's so well-off that he can afford um, New York and L.A. rent and these lawyers being a director of plays. Like, it doesn't really make any sense. Um, it just, I don't know. This, this the, the film as a whole is, I think, really, really bad. Now, um, this is really bad of a nomination. Johansson really is so stagey here. Like, I was just laughing throughout the big fight scene with her. Um, I'm not going to talk about Driver yet here because we're going to get into him very shortly. But for Johansson's factor, like, her whole, like, you were so just blind. And, like, it just, it's so forced and so staged that it is you it, it really is just one of those she's acting for the camera not even like in the fact of she's acting for the back of the room but like you can tell that she was trying to pull out any oscar moment she could because it's not believable it i don't once care for her character i really i know this is so petty but i really hate this haircut on her too so i found that to be very distracting from what she was doing so i was just like why do you have your haircut like this um but that doesn't really have anything to do with the performance i just wanted to be you know just wanted to point that out for me um this just doesn't work it doesn't work on any level she's really hammy here this is bad all around bad 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 um i don't think it's bad but i'm not um in love with it either uh noah Bombach is for some reason a filmmaker who just generally doesn't quite do it for me. Um, I know he's got his crowd. Uh, there's a lot of folks who, you know, uh, rally around anything he puts out. But um, for some reason, uh, it just doesn't seem to be my cup of tea. Um, but I think Joe Hansen is um, doing pretty well here. Um, going back to Jojo Rabbit, um, I really just, I like that she was given this sort of domestic opportunity because I really like seeing what Scarlett Johansson does in these more grounded um, characters. Uh, I get her conflictions and um, these uh, restrained outbursts that we sort of uh, get from her at different times. Um, this is a character who's feeling a lot of things 
at once. And um, I think she herself as a character is uh, struggling to pinpoint um, exactly where her, um, where her feelings are coming from and how to express them, which is partly what makes her so susceptible to Nora's predatory nature um, as an attorney. And um, I think that's also what makes her, uh, her explosive um, argument with Adam Driver actually kind of work for me, um, given how the movie has paced itself and uh, how Johansson has been able to establish where Nicole is at different points and everything that she has sacrificed and put into this relationship, um, especially now that she's in a place where she is um, being given an entirely new opportunity um, on the opposite side of the country in a different industry, um, something that she, in a sense, could have always had before had she made different decisions. And um, I think she feels a little bit bitter about that and um, feels as though she, in a sense, deserved it. Uh, but, you know, she made the decisions that she made, you know, due to the people she surrounded herself with. And now she's just in a very, um, very difficult position and uh, feelings are flying. So um, it actually kind of worked for me here, the performance itself. Um, but I can see why it's a little bit enig enigmatic for people. Um, because it's sometime, sometimes a difficult character to read and um, understand why she's making the decisions that she's making, whereas other times it's so um, in your face. Uh, she kind of has these moments of 180, and given um, the complicated scenario that she's in, uh, I think it kind of makes sense and Johansson is sort of playing into that uh, very carefully simmering pot that's always on the verge of boiling over and then ultimately does. Um, so I guess on, on the whole, I dig it. Uh, but the movie itself is not necessarily, you know, helping her. Well, I guess it is. I don't know. See, I have very conflicted feelings. But... Um, I guess it's fine, is what I'm saying. No, I get it. Um, yeah, this is no bueno. No bueno for me. But we can get to some questions now that we had a couple earlier, uh, mainly from Kevin Jacobson. Um, ScarJo had such a great year between Marriage Story. Did you, though, with that one? Did you? Uh, Jojo Rabbit, Avengers Endgame, and Buzz for Black Widow. Uh, rest in peace, Black Widow. We'll probably never see that right now. Um, why do you think she wasn't able to build a narrative to win in either category? Um, well, I guess with lead, I don't know that that was ever happening, um, considering the, the Renee Zellweger of it all. Um, mm. With uh, supporting, I mean, I suppose she was close with supporting, and um, maybe in another year it could have happened. Well, I guess... What's significant about this year is the double nomination and everything else she had going for her. But um, I suppose Laura Dern just uh, 
had the momentum, all things considered, um, giving a, what I think is a pretty good performance in Marriage Story on top of um, her Emmy's love for Big Little Lies and, you know, she's been in the game for so long and all that. Um, I suppose uh, the, the cards were more in Laura Dern's favor, but um, I don't know, I guess it just uh, ultimately was not Scarlett Johansson's year. Yeah, this is just like, I don't know. Nothing worked out in anyone's favor if your names weren't uh, Renee Zellweger or uh, Laura Dern. Yeah. So you answered that perfectly. I don't think I have to go off of anything else. So um, let me see. Was that it? Was that it? Was that it? I believe that was it for ScarJo. Okay. Uh, our fourth uh, leading actress nominee is Saoirse Ronan, nominated for Little Women. This is her fourth of four nominations. Uh, she does not win anything major uh, going in, but she is recognized with the Globes, BAFTA, and Critics' Choice. In Little Women, Saoirse Ronan plays Joe March, a young woman aspiring to be a published author, but complications with her sisters and a love interest and the patriarchy uh, complicate and fuel her creativity. So how do you feel about Saoirse Ronan and Little Women? Um, I, I, I like her better than Winona Ryder in this role. Um, but again, this is... Mm, mm, it's fine. It's, uh, it's just, I really have disdain for the story of Little Women. Um, it's just, it's so fucking boring to me. I don't want to sound like a, a record at this point, just repeating itself, because now this is the second time in this episode, and then the third time all in all that we're talking about the story of Little Women. Um, it's fine. It's it's nothing to write home about. It's, um, she is the best thing about this movie. But again, that's not really setting a high bar for me. Um, meh. How about you? Um, I'll agree that she is better than Winona Ryder in this. Um, I think Saoirse Ronan brings um, a fire and a zestiness to Joe March that, for me, was lacking in the more traditional rendition of this story. Um, I actually quite like her in this uh, version of Little Women. Um, I really love her tenacity and... Um, this is a character that I found myself very easily getting behind and rooting for. I think uh, Greta Gerwig's choice to tell this story non-linearly really helps. Um, if I remember correctly, the story opens with her in that meeting selling her short story. And um, we immediately get a sense of who this person is um, how smart she is, how driven she is, and um, how uh, tricky she can be as a person. And um, I was really digging her right from the beginning. And uh, her, her determination, I think, is what kept pulling me along in this uh, film, or at least that was one of the things. And... Um, I, uh, I don't know, in a way, I kind of saw myself in this character. Uh, I was, you know, at, at a certain point in my life, I was, you know, super driven on what I wanted to do. And it's pretty much 
all I focused on. And uh, I sacrificed a lot of things in my private personal life in order to achieve that. Um, and it didn't you know, work out in my favor. And uh, I, I love watching someone like Joe make it happen. And um, I think Saoirse Ronan brings a lot to this performance. She's really giving it her all in a lot of ways. And like with Pew, we see the development of Joe over time. Uh, we see her honing her craft and um, really um, putting, you know, pedal to the metal and uh, developing over time and uh, keeping her eye on the prize. Um, and I think Gerwig gives Ronan a lot of opportunities also to um, have fun, like her scenes with Timothy Chalamet where they're playing their little games and uh, dancing around, bring uh, a jovial, lighthearted uh, nature side to this character that I think um, is helpful in uh, developing her and making her a little bit more three-dimensional. So she's not just, you know, someone who has like, the blinders on and can only see um, the finish line. Uh, it makes her more human in that way. And um, it also gives us, you know, reason to feel a little disheartened when she uh, makes the sacrifices that she makes, like telling uh, Lori, no, um, I need to do this instead. And then, you know, when he gets with Amy later, we understand uh, a little bit of the heartbreak that she's um, compartmentalizing and uh, the regrets that she has uh, for, you know, that decision of turning him away. Um, also in that same regard, uh, the death of her sister, uh, Ronan gives a, a pretty solemn uh, performance um, in those moments after um, her sister has passed away. Uh, so I think this movie gives her a lot of life and a lot to do in a, in a way that the 94 film did not quite give writer. And I think Ronan is really capitalizing upon each of those opportunities uh, to pretty great effect. So um, yeah, I'd say I'm, I'm pretty on board uh, with the Saoirse Ronan performance in Little Women. I'm glad she has a fan. I don't think I'm the only one. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's just being a shitty. I was just being a shitty person. Um, yeah. Okay. Did you have anything else on Ronan? No, I just like this. The, as of now, the fourth time we've talked about Ronan, and I'm just like, I feel like people are going to be like, "You're a Ronan hater," and I'm like. I'm really not. It's just that her nominations are just very unenthusiastic for me. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to remember now. Well, of course, we haven't finished this episode yet. But when is the closest that you've come to giving her the win? Like, when would you say is the one that you feel the most positive about? I think I put her last in everything so far. Have you? I'm trying to remember. Maybe you did. Atonement was last. Ladybird was last. Yeah, Brooklyn was last. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I guess never is the answer. <laughs> yeah.
Yeah. She she's like really good fourth runner up. I think what, would that be fourth? Yeah. Yeah. Fourth runner up. So there's okay. always like I don't know. Very unenthusiastic about her nominations thus far, but who knows? Maybe I'll give her the win here. Or someday she will deliver an earth shattering performance and she'll finally get fourth place for you. <laughs> yeah, hopefully she can do it. Well, our final leading actress nominee is Charlize Theron, nominated for Bombshell. This is her third of three nominations. She does not win anything major going in, but she is recognized with the Globes, BAFTA, SAG, and Critics' Choice. In Bombshell, Charlize Theron plays Megan Kelly, a Fox propaganda anchor who fights back against the toxic environment of sexual harassment behind the scenes. So how do you feel about Charlize Theron in Bombshell? Fucking brilliant. Um, I really, really like this. Again, I really like Bombshell. Um, as someone who has met and talked to Megyn Kelly, I couldn't believe that it wasn't Megyn Kelly up there. Um, everything from the posture to the voice to um, just the emotional aspect of Kelly. I mean, this was fucking brilliant. I think this is her best nomination out of her three. Um, this is probably next to young adult. I would say the best work she's ever put on film. Um, this is probably the best in my opinion. This is just wonderful on every level. Um, I have no negatives to say about this. It is, it hits me everywhere it needs to be hit. And people like, I think just needs to re people just need to reevaluate bombshell in general. Cause I know it gets some shit. Um, but Theron is never not entertaining me and she's never not Megan Kelly and Bravo, 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 fucking beautiful work. Did you meet her when she was in town for the debate? Yes. Did she like, I, come to your bar or something? No, uh, we, we happened to just pass on the street and I actually, I actually almost tripped in front of her. That's why we, we like, it wasn't on purpose either. Like I didn't trip and because I met Megan Kelly, I just happened to fucking not know how to walk in that moment. And she asked me if I was okay. And I did. And I said, hi. And she said, hi. And I said, good luck with everything. Cause you know, she was very, she's very against Trump in many ways. Um, so it was, this was obviously right before the convention and, or, or right before the night where she, she called him out. And, um, yeah, she, she was very nice for the 30 seconds that I met her, but yeah, it was very weird to, to have spoken to her and have seen her in person and then to see what Theron did. It was mind blowing, mind blowing. Yeah. Theron, um, really becomes Megan Kelly in this, um, not just, you know, with the makeup and what's on her face, but her voice is so distinct. Uh, Megyn Kelly do actually does have a very distinct voice uh, that I didn't really realize until I was watching Bombshell. And uh, Charlize Theron, whoever her like vocal coaches, deserves their own Oscar nomination because that's some fabulous work uh, that she was doing there. And um, kind of like with uh, Margot Robbie. Um, we see a bit of a, a chipping away, a deterioration of this character. Um, but she has a little bit more, hmm, she has some armor about her, I think just due to her station 
in life, uh, her status at Fox News and in the broadcasting world. Um, she has more clout. So um, it's a little bit different uh, than Margot Robbie, who's playing a character just breaking in. Um, but we definitely get um, the personal side of the Megyn Kelly story, um, the stuff that we would never see on television because she, um, you know, would mask all of that. Uh, but uh, Theron, I think, is doing really well. She completely embodies uh, this person, and uh, she's a total chameleon um, in the way that we've sort of come to expect uh, Theron to be. And um, I think it's really fine work here. Um, now, I know sometimes you say that the makeup is doing more of the work. Is this not an example of that? No, I think this is a this is an, is an example of where the actor and the makeup are doing 50-50. Um, and what I mean by that, because I, I mentioned it with Renee Zellweger and Judy, um, I don't think Renee sounded like Judy when she talked. Um, I don't think she fully was mentally Judy, but I think she was acting as Judy. And then the makeup was a big part of it. Um, and I'm glad you actually brought this up. Um, Charlize sounded, acted, was Megan, and the makeup helped with it. Um, you're right, Charlize is a chameleon. And I know that I wasn't a huge fan of her work in Monster, um, which I live with, that's fine. I know I, I am the minority there. Um, but this was a 50-50 job. And I don't find anything outweighing another in the factor of makeup versus actor. Um, I think she could have done it without the makeup and I think she could have done it with the makeup. I think that's what the difference is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't disagree with you there. Um, I'm one of those weird people where I, in a biopic or, you know, a movie where the person is playing a, a real person, I don't really need them to look or sound like the actual person as if they capture the essence of someone, I'm pretty much okay with it. But um, here, this is definitely, they're going for a look. And um, not only that, uh, Theron sounds like, it's almost creepy how yeah. much she sounds like Megyn Kelly. Now, I've said on past episodes, I'm someone not unlike the Margot Robbie character who kind of grew up on Fox News. It was the channel that was on. I wouldn't say it was burned into the screen. We weren't like that devout. But um, when it came to like my dad's side of the family, Fox was the the cable news, quote unquote news, um, that was on the television. So I've been acquainted uh, with Megyn Kelly in that regard for many years. So um, watching Theron uh, literally become her was uh, quite striking, and um, it's kind of remarkable. So yeah, uh, go Theron. Yeah, I think I think it was brilliant. Now, my question to you is because we no one asked this question, but I'm going to ask it. You know who I didn't really like in this was Nicole Kidman. Um, I, I just first of all, the role, I think, as Gretchen Carlson was too small, but there was only, you know, so much going on. Um, I, I don't know. Something seemed very off about that. Like, first of all, that wig is a choice. I mean, most of her wigs are a choice. But, like, the SAG nomination that she got was very fucking random and highly, I think, undeserved. 
What are your thoughts there? So um, I pretty much agree with you. And I, I think I know why, or at least for me, I think I know why um, Kidman was so underwhelming in here. And that's because I don't think she is going for Gretchen Carlson in the way that Charlize Theron was going for Megyn Kelly. If they had, if she had like committed to be, to becoming Gretchen Carlson in the way that Megyn Kelly had, they would match one another. And I don't think Kidman would stand out uh, so poorly, but because she's not, um, they're, they're not really on the same playing field. And Theron is so committed and so good at what she does that it kind of makes Kidman look bad. And yeah. I'm, huh, I kind of feel like that's largely a, a directing error. Um, I, I feel like Jay Roach should have had them on the same playing field, either go the full Megan and the full Gretchen or just sort of capture their essence, like I was saying, and not go full chameleon. But to have them in the way that they are, it feels mismatched. And with Theron being so good, it kind of makes Nicole look so bad. You know? Yeah. I will say, though, that the, uh, the way... See, because by now, you know me, and I think I've said this on the podcast, I'm a, I'm a view freak. Like, I... The View is in their summer break right now, and there, there was actually a trailer yesterday. I'm so excited that they're coming back September 8th, and I, and I squealed like a like a prepubescent girl in 2010 seeing Justin Bieber. I was like, yay! Um, I really would love the View movie because they're doing the movie on that book that came out in the vein of Bombshell. I think that would work really well for the type of movie The View could be. So I just want to also point that out. Um but we do have some questions as a whole now before we get to our rankings that we can bring in here uh, that have to deal with some snubs. Um, so I'm going to com combine most of them because a lot of them uh, are alike. But I think we can agree that there were some major snubs here this year, mainly in the factor of Lupita Nyong'o in Us, um, who I would say is hands down my winner if she would have been here. Um, so Nick Cipriano and a couple of others want to know about our thoughts on Lupita Nyong'o. Um, Lupita Nyong'o, if she had been in this lead actress lineup, she would have been my winner. Yes. Uh, it doesn't matter who she would have kicked out. Um, she would have been my number one. Uh, she gives a hell of a performance in Us. Um, it's going to be really difficult, I think, for her to top her own performance. I'm sure she can. I'm sure she will someday uh, because she's Lupita Nyong'o. But... Um, I really wish the Oscars would have gotten over themselves and uh, been willing to nominate this performance because um, it's not only worthy of a nomination, but um, I feel like she could have won. I feel like the nomination was actually the highest till for her to climb. I feel yeah. like if she could have clenched the nomination, she just might have beaten Renee Zellweger. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like the nomination was actually the biggest challenge, the biggest hurdle. For Neongo. Yeah, I mean that that's going back to the uh the SAG ballots that, that we hosted. Most of them had Nyango as the winner, and we see how that turned out. Um, so it's very interesting. I mean, I didn't like the movie Us as a whole. I thought it was really bad, but the performance was grade A wagyu beef. Like it was fucking brilliant. 
Um, there was also a, a, a tweet that stuck with me since these nominations have come out. Um, the, that went viral. Someone had tweeted, wow, the Academy really, really told uh, Nyong'o, we prefer you as a slave, which is very deep when you think about it and what as a whole. Um, kind of heartbreaking, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, Charles Bright. We've heard a lot of legitimate gripes about Aquafina and Lupita Nyong'o being snubbed, but how much of a travesty was it that Alfre Woodard didn't get more recognition for clemency? It's a huge travesty. Yes. Uh, because Alfre Woodard is phenomenal in clemency. Mm-hmm. If she and Lupita were in the same category, we might be experiencing my first ever tie on Academy Queens because I don't know what I would do. Mm-hmm. Uh, because those are two all-time performances. Um, it is horrible that Alfre Woodard did not get nominated for Clemency or that she has not been nominated since Cross Creek, right. despite the several Oscar-worthy performances she has given us these past few decades. Uh, Woodard's amazing. Um, if anyone listening has not watched Clemency, highly recommend it. Um, Woodard is fantastic i don't really know what else to say yeah woodard deserved it i do have to say though i think if woodard and nyango were together i would have to pick woodard um and that would be very very close to not pull a tie um i think woodard was fan fucking tastic um in it and also to justice for danielle brooks because she pulls off a really really worthy supporting actress turn here um her her scene is maybe about five or six minutes long but it's really heartbreaking um but yeah what uh woodard deserved it nyango deserved it um speaking of aquafina though christoph wants to know you have the power to either change best actress lineup by adding aquafina or the best supporting actress lineup by adding xiao shu zhen but not both who would you choose hmm i love that question by the way yeah, it's, it's very interesting how that was put. Um, I suppose I'm more ambivalent about the lead actress nomination. Um, love uh, Xiao... I can't say it. Xiao Zhu Zhen. Um, I love her in Farewell. I really wish she had been nominated. But um, just to make the lead actress lineup more interesting for me, um, I guess... I would put Aquafina in lead. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also agree. I would put Aquafina. Now, here's the thing. I think Xiaoxu Shen is good, but I wasn't on the Xiaoxu Shen train this year with everyone. I'm just like, I, this is one of these ones that I'm like, I'm not really seeing what other people are saying for this. Um, but I think the narrative would have been great, at least for a nomination. But um, by now, we all know I'm kind of more of a um, merit, not you know what I mean? Merit person for nominations and wins. Um, but yeah, that I think I would go Aquafina as well. Um, Andrew Carden wants to know how robbed was Octavia Spencer of a nom for Ma? Uh, absolutely robbed. Just because. Being serious or are you being sarcastic? Um, I mean, she's having the time of her life in Ma. And um, I don't know that it's uh, one that I would nominate myself. But... I would have so much respect for the Academy if they just would have said, fuck it, and uh, nominated her. Uh, that would have been the curveball of the decade, and um, 
I personally would have had a lot of fun with it, but um, I, I can't say that it would make my personal top five uh, on a serious level. I mean, Ma's fine. The movie's not great, but Octavia Spencer is having the time of her life, so why not? I'm also trying to imagine the backlash right now if this lineup had gone Octavia Spencer, Cynthia Erivo, um, uh, Aquafina, uh, no, sorry, not Aquafina, uh, Alfre Woodard, Lupita Nyongo, and Renee, and Renee still winning. Oh my God. Yeah. That would have literally, people would have burnt the Academy. Crazy. Yeah, would not have been nice. No. Um, do you want to talk really quick? Because we're both voters for Indie Spirit, and we do you want to talk about this year really quick? I'm just throwing some fun on who we who we voted for since we're at this year. Uh, sure. I actually need to refresh my memory on who was nominated. Supporting um, actress that year at Independent Spirit Awards, the winner was Xiaoxu Zhen for The Farewell. Then there was Jennifer Lopez for Hustlers, Taylor Russell for Waves, Lauren Spencer for Give Me Liberty, and Octavia Spencer for Loose. I voted Jennifer Lopez. I voted... Uh, Xiao Zhu Zen, if I recall. And then female lead was Alfie Woodard and Clemency, Mary Kay Place and Diane, Elizabeth Moss and Her Smell, Hong Chow and Driveways, Karen Allen and Colwell, and Renee Zellweger won for Judy. I voted for Woodard. Uh, I ended up voting for Woodard as well, but it was very tough because I really, really liked Hong Chow and Driveways. Like, I thought that was fucking great, but there was no way she was winning that. So I was like, mm, I'm going to give it to Woodard. Yeah. So, um, all right. Shall we get to our rankings? Sure. All right. As a review, your nominees for supporting actress were Scarlett Johansson and Jojo Rabbit, Laura Dern in Marriage Story, Margot Robbie in Bombshell, Florence Pugh in uh, Little Women, and Kathy Bates in Richard Jewell. And Florence Pugh is going at five. This is just a really bad nomination. And Pugh is way too old to be playing this role. Um, send tweet. I have Margot Robbie at number five, uh, not because she's bad, but I consider her a co-lead in this film. So um, I'm putting her at number five for Bombshell. You category frauded, Robbie. All right. Yeah. Well, number four is Laura Dern. Um, she's fine here, uh, but this is, like I said, this is Renata. Renata is Nora. There's no difference here in her acting. She's at four. My number four is Kathy Bates uh, for Richard Jewell. I think Kathy Bates is doing perfectly all right here, uh, but it feels like a role she could have done while sleepwalking. And even though she does it pretty well, it didn't wow me in any way. Um, so Kathy Bates is number four for Richard Jewell. Number three is Kathy Bates. Um, I think she's just fine here. She's the best thing about this shitty, horrible movie. Um, but, you know, she's middle of the road for me. So Bates at three. Number three for me is Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit. Um, I think she's doing some very fine work in this film, and I wish more uh, movies would give her this opportunity to really explore this side of her as a performer. Um, but she's just sort of in the middle for me in this lineup, so Scarlett Johansson is number three for Jojo Rabbit. Well, my number one was my win on Oscar night, and it is my win here as well. Um, my runner-up is Scarlett Johansson, which means Margot Robbie definitely deserved this win here for Bombshell. Um, she's brilliant in every way. I connected to the character on a personal level. I understood this character while I also hated the situation she was in. Um, she was, she, she delivered in every possible way. Robbie deserved this win. Um, she is in the right category. For me, um, this is 100% hers. Johansson, this was a tough call even on coming going into Oscar night because I felt for her. 
Um, like I said, there's a there's a point where after she she's gone, you miss her character. Um, she's fucking brilliant. Um, I want to maybe give this a tie, but thus far this year or this decade, I haven't tied anything, and I wasn't going to start with this one. So, uh, yeah, Scarlett Johansson, my runner-up. Margot Robbie should have won. Um, this is kind of tough for me. It's kind of neck and neck, honestly, and there's a merit to both of these. Uh, but I think I'm going to give Laura Dern runner-up for Marriage Story. I think Laura Dern's quite good in this, and um, I think she's better than a lot of people seem to be giving her credit for. But uh, Pew and Little Women kind of did more for me, uh, made me think a little bit more, and I was a little more engaged as a viewer. And um, I think she's doing some very subtle work here throughout the film um, as the uh, the time progresses or kind of, you know, goes back and forth uh, as the movie is told. But um, I think she's doing uh, some more intricate stuff here than a lot of people give her credit for. And um, I'm on board with Gerwig's choice to um, use one person to uh, represent the development of this character. So um, I'm putting Florence Pugh at number one for Little Women. Between last week with fucking Marina de Tavira and now, I don't know you anymore. Uh, <laughs> all right. This is why we keep things interesting. Um, all right. Took me for a shock there. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, your leading actress uh, nominees, as a reminder, were Renee Zellweger in Judy, Cynthia Erivo in Harriet, Scarlett Johansson in Marriage Story, Saoirse Ronan in Little Women, and Charlize Theron in Bombshell. And I'm actually giving Cynthia Erivo the number five spot. Um, this is the performance that uh, just does the least for me. I feel the least engaged while watching it. Um, Erivo is no doubt um, a tremendous performer, but I'm not sure how much this movie is really building her up. And um, it just seems like she's in her own world sometimes uh, here. So um, Cynthia Erivo's my number five for Harriet. My number five is Charlize Theron. Um, this is where the category fraud comes into. This is an ensemble piece, number one with Bombshell. So that is why Robbie is in the right category. Also, too, um, just like The Hours, there are three separate stories going on that are intertwining, thus not creating a centralized character. And if there is a centralized character, it's Roger Ailes. Um, Theron, as much as this is my favorite, fucking favorite in this lineup out of the five if she were in if she were correctly placed in lead she would be my winner but um theron here is like robbie like kidman a supporting player for the overall film um brilliant i hate to do this but um yeah theron has to go five my number four is renee zellweger for judy um for some reason, I'm fine with this win, but there's a big question mark after the word fine, because um, she's doing some pretty interesting stuff here. Um, I buy it for the most part, but um, it just doesn't do as much for me as uh, the remaining three. So uh, Renee Zellweger is number four for Judy. Well, Scarlett Johansson is my four, and she, for me, I would be like, you know, be grateful Charlize is in the wrong category here because she would be at five. Um, this is bad. This is bad, 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 bad. Um, 
I got nothing else to say besides it's bad. Doesn't deserve to be here. So bye bye. Four. Number three for me is Charlize Theron for Bombshell. Um, I really love what Charlize Theron is doing here. Uh, she seems to be firing on all cylinders. And um, I can definitely see everything she's putting out on display. Uh, but um, I guess Johansson and Ronan are doing a little bit more for me as a, as a viewer. So um, Charlize Theron's three for Bombshell. Congratulations, Saoirse Ronan, for getting at least to three. Um, uh, again, Theron's placement helped her get there and whatnot, and I got to put someone somewhere. Um, this is probably, I guess, my favorite of her nominations. She is the best thing about Little Women, but, you know, maybe one day she can get higher. My runner-up is Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story. Um, there's a lot going on um, inside this character's mind and um, how she chooses to express that or doesn't exactly choose to express that, um, I find fascinating. Uh, but uh, Ronan in Little Women is sort of like the full package for me. Uh, she carried me along for the entire movie. I really love her version of Joe March. Um, she's so committed and she's so in it. And um, I saw myself in her and she just really did the most for me um, of this lineup. So um, Saoirse Ronan's my winner for Little Women. All right. Well, um, my runner up this year uh is Renee Zellweger, which means Cynthia Erivo is my winner. Um, let me start with Zellweger. It's fine. It's whatever. I don't understand why we were so needy to give her another one, I'm going to be honest, um, but it, it is what it is. Erivo, though, is fantastic. Um, she was my winner on the night of the Oscars, just like Robbie, and despite my love for Theron. Um, speaking as a whole with who is here, um, Arivo is the one I'm drawn to the most. Uh, she does a brilliant job here in every aspect that she's doing, um, from her acting to her emotionally acting to her physical acting to um, her presence. I mean, it's very, very, very demanding and very amazing. Um, I wish people would give this another shot because it is very good. Um, I also think it's funny that your fives are my ones in each category. Uh, I find that so much fun, to be honest. Um, this is just fantastic. I wish she would have won this, and I think she deserved it. And I really wish Charlize Theron was in the right category, because I really wanted her to win here, but she can't. Um, so yeah, I give it to Cynthia Revo in Harriet and Margot Robbie in Bombshell. Yeah, and I've got uh, Saoirse Ronan and Florence Pugh both in Little Women. You definitely shocked me. Did I shock you? Um, not exactly. Um, I was I wasn't sure how you would feel category wise about Bombshell. I could I saw you going either way. Um, I wasn't sure if you'd consider them co leads or if you would consider it an ensemble. So there well, we go. Matthew Stewart is doing his um his category fraud thing right now. And the other day he put Margot or yeah he put Margot Robbie in lead, and I was like mm, wrong. And then you put her in lead, and I'm like oh my god no. <laughs> I was like, no. Um, but yeah, there we go. Now mm -hmm. to uh, the big ranking of the decades. Are you ready for this? Yeah. So as a recap, in order, your supporting actress winners of the decade were Melissa Leo, Octavia Spencer, 
Uh, Anne Hathaway, Patricia Arquette. No, wait. Anne Hathaway, Lupita Nyong'o, Patricia Arquette. Alicia Vikander, Viola Davis. Um, Allison Janney, Regina King, and then most recently, Laura Dern. Um, my number 10th category fraud obviously plays into this as well, as per usual, um, is Viola Davis. It is the most clear-cut lead actress winner in this lineup. Therefore, she has to go at 10. I'm putting uh, Alicia Vikander at number 10 for the Danish girl for uh, category reasons as well. Um, well, Alicia Vikander goes at number nine for me. Um, while she is in the wrong category, I do find her better than Viola Davis. So therefore, at least, you know, she's got to go at least one up. Yeah, and I have Viola Davis at number nine for the same reasons. Uh, also category uh, placement, but I like her better than Vikander. There you go. Well, number eight um, is Anne Hathaway. Just awful. <laughs> awful win. Um, for me, it's Melissa Leo for The Fighter. Um, it's just a little too much for me. Um, just on a personal level. So uh, Melissa Leo's number eight. Patricia Arquette, number seven. Um, I said it in that episode. Not a fan of this at all. It's very um, daytime Emmy soap opera. Um, and yeah, she's just got to go somewhere. So I got to put her at seven. Um, Laura Dern is my number seven for Marriage Story. Um, I guess I like her better than it seems like most people on the internet do right now. But um in the, as far as this lineup goes, she's only number seven. Uh, Laura Dern has to go six. Um, I like Renata. I like Big Little Lies. I was glad that they were able to transfer over into this because I didn't like Marriage Story. So there you go. Number uh, six for me is Allison Janney for I, Tanya. Um, I love her in this. Uh, she's a whole bunch of sass and she's crass and her line deliveries are just gold. So um, Allison Janney is uh, number six for Itania. Um, as I get halfway through, Melissa Leo will go in at five. Uh, I mean, let's just be honest. That should have been, I think we actually agree, Jackie Weaver, thinking back, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jackie Weaver should be there, and she'd be a lot higher if, if Melissa was in here, but uh, middle of the road seems perfectly fine for me. Patricia Arquette is my number five for Boyhood. Um, She's doing some very interesting stuff here, and the movie, you know, is um, very unique in the way that it's told, and I think she uh, benefits and um, really um, cashes in on the opportunity uh, that the movie gave her to develop this character. But um, as a whole, it's only my number five for the decade. Uh, number four, I got to give it to Octavia Spencer. Um, even though I don't gr agree with this win, it, I can't deny that it is a, an iconic win. Um, and, you know, good for her. Number four. Octavia Spencer is also my number four. Um, her mini has become iconic, and she's delightful in the movie. Um, but um, the, the remaining three that I have are just a little bit um, more my cup of tea, I guess. Same, same. And with that one, I'm going to kick off my top three with Regina King. Um, it's good. You know, I, uh, again, not my win, but I have to look at it as the whole. And in this lineup, she is definitely top three. So Regina King can go at number three. Anne Hathaway is my number three uh, for Les Miserables. Uh, she's pretty good here. I think she her I Dreamed a Dream is on another level. Um I don't know of anyone else who's ever done exactly what she's 
done in this film. And um, the build-up to that moment uh, is pretty carefully constructed on her part uh, to really crescendo uh, that song. So um, Anne Hathaway is my number three for Les Mis. No, I'm sorry, what was the name of it? Oh, Les Miserables. <laughs> that one? I hate you so much. Oh, that was great. Um, all right, so my runner-up is a comedic force. Uh, Alice and Janney is fucking brilliant in um, Itania. It is a great win. It is a very deserved win. But let's just be honest. Let's cut the shit here. Lupita Nyong'o is fucking the best for me in this decade. Um, there was no getting around that. It should have been very obvious going into this. Um, who, for me, at least, was going to be number one, and I'm pretty sure will be the same for you. Um, Lupita Nyong'o, Lupita Nyong'o, Lupita Nyong'o, number one. Regina King is my runner-up for If Beale Street Could Talk. Um, she is fantastic in this film. Um, I get her win. I respect her win. And um, I'm so glad Regina King has an Oscar. Uh, but Lupita Nyong'o gave two all-time performances in one decade. Unfortunately, only one of them was recognized with the Academy, but it won. And um, it is the best win of the decade in this category, in my opinion. We agree there. Yep. Let's see if we agree here. I don't think we're going to. No, I don't think so. Uh, but your leading actress winners uh, this decade uh, have been Natalie Portman in Black Swan, Meryl Streep in The Iron Lady, Jennifer Lawrence in Silver Linings Playbook, Kate Blanchett in Blue Jasmine, Julianne Moore in Still Alice, Brie Larson in Room, Emma Stone in La La Land, Frances McDormand in Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Olivia Coleman in The Favorite, and Renee Zellweger in Judy. And I'm giving Meryl Streep the number 10 spot in The Iron Lady. Um, I think she's doing some perfectly fine stuff. Uh, she's doing, you know, her Meryl transformative thing. But um, it doesn't really engage me as a viewer. So I, even though I can recognize the Meryl TM things that she's doing, uh, it's not for me. So Meryl's number 10 for the Iron Lady. I'm giving Jennifer Lawrence number 10. This is just not a good win. Um, for Not a good performance. It's very hokey. And uh, yeah, she's going to start me off this decade with number 10. Jennifer Lawrence is my number nine right now for Silver Linings Playbook. Um, I just don't really, I'm not into it. Um, so as of right now, Jennifer Lawrence is number nine for Silver Linings Playbook. My number nine is going to Brie Larson. Um, when your co-star, who is more than half your age, outshines you, I still wonder how you win the Oscar, um, especially with Charlotte Rampling right there. Um, so, yeah, as a whole, though, it is not that impressive in this lineup and has to go at number nine. Um, Renee Zellweger for Judy is my number eight. Um She's perfectly fine, uh, like I said a few times on this very episode. And I get the win, and for some reason I'm not exactly mad about it. But um, as you also heard earlier with the rankings of 2019, it's not my thing. So um, Renee Zellweger's only number eight for Judy. My number eight is Emma Stone. Um, sure, I guess. <laughs> my number seven is Emma Stone for pretty much the same reasons. Um, love Emma Stone. She's, you know... She's Emma Stone, <laughs> but um, as a decade, it's not at a, it's not toward the top for me. So Emma Stone's only number seven for a La La Land. 
And I just want to echo for both of us there too. I think we're, we're definitely in agreement with when your best performance nominated performance of the decade is something like the favorite and you don't, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's weird to look back on that win when it could have been something else. Mm-hmm. So meh. Um, number seven, this is where it gets interesting for me. Cause this is where the real race starts. Uh, Meryl Streep. Um, she's good in the iron lady. Um, as a win, it's, you know, I've given Meryl Streep up to this point four wins now, and um, not one of them actually matched her actual wins. Uh, but yeah, Meryl Streep has to go seven. Brie Larson is my number six for Room. Um, she's quite a force in this uh, film, and I really admire um, the introspection, the sort of reversal in that force that we witness in the second half of the film. Um, but the, uh, the top five, uh, just, you know, do more for me, uh, which, uh, you know, I've said a thousand times. So, uh, Brie Larson's only number six for room. Well, getting cut out before my top five, um, is going to be, uh, I'm sorry, Julianne Moore. Um, she's good, but as a whole with the rest of these, she doesn't make five. Julianne Moore is my five. Um, I think she is doing some very, uh, intricate stuff here. Uh, I think she's doing more work than a lot of people give her credit for in this film. Um, but she's only in the middle of this lineup for me. So uh, Julianne Moore gets the number five spot for Still Alice. Well, I kind of gave it away right before this. Renee Zellweger at five. Um, I'm kind of with you there, too. It's just like it is what it is. But because of that, I think it's clear cut that she can be middle of the road. So it's like, meh. Okay, here it is. Renee Zellweger, five. Francis McDormand is my number four for outside or three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Um, she is quintessential Francis McDormand here. And if you love Francis McDormand, uh, this is the performance for you. I understand why she won. Uh, she is a hurricane in this film. Um, but for me, this is a little bit too much clear cut Francis McDormand. Uh, it's not exactly, you know, groundbreaking for me. Uh, it's, what I expected when I went into three billboards and uh, she gave it to me, but uh, Francis McDormand is only number four for three billboards. Um, I still ask myself who I have to screw around here for a Sully Martini with a twist of lemon, but mine would be Belvedere. Um, Kate Blanchett therefore is at number four. I think this is a great win. Um, even again, if I don't agree with it, but it is, um, I can't deny that it is a powerful one and it's also become gay iconic. So Kate Blanchett, number four. Um, this top three that I have remaining is on another level. Um, but I'm going to put Olivia Coleman at number three for the favorite. Um, this is a delightful, delicious performance. And I'm really just splitting hairs here um, with this top three, who are all doing something very different in their respective films. Um, so based on what I'm just feeling right now in the moment, Olivia Coleman is number three for the favorite. Um, number three for me is Natalie Portman. Um, we started off the decade with a very, very strong lineup and then ended with a very, very weak lineup. So I find that to be interesting. But with that said, um, we started off the decade with a very strong winner. Um, Natalie Portman at three. Um, so yeah, like I said, this uh, this top is pretty tricky, but right now what I'm feeling is Kate Blanchett at number two for Blue Jasmine. Um, this is a vehicle, if I ever saw one, and she truly makes the most 
out of every moment and um, she deserves uh, this Oscar here for Blue Jasmine. But um, Natalie Portman in Black Swan is um, just checking all the boxes for me. Um, this is a phenomenal performance on so many different levels, uh, physical, emotional, psychological, everything. And um, it's my favorite uh, lead actress win of the decade. So uh, Natalie Portman's number one for Black Swan. My number two uh, comes in as Frances McDormand, which means I think Olivia Coleman is the number one. And call me biased, that's fine. But let me start with Frances. I really like Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. I think it's a great little film. Um, I know we've had a discussion about it, but and I like it more than you, which is okay. But um, Frances is wonderful in it, and I think her win is highly deserved. Um, and as a whole in this lineup, I think it stands out amongst the rest to at least to get to two. Coleman, though, hit, like Natalie Portman hit and checked every box with you. Um, Coleman is funny, which is a big thing that I, I'm a big proponent on. Um, she's dramatic. She's over the top. She is grounded. She is everything that a Best Actress winner in a performance needs to be, in my opinion. And as a whole, just really outshines the, the rest. Um... You know, there are some performances, sure, that are in this lineup that are stronger dramatically, but she mixes the drama and the comedy and the tragedy and the joy in ways that none of the others can. Um, so, you know, I have to go Coleman at one. So Coleman and Nyong'o. Yeah, and uh, Portman and Nyong'o over here. Yeah, I don't think that really shocked anybody, to be honest with you, for me. No, uh, I had a feeling about Coleman for you, and I had a feeling about Nyong'o, so... Yeah. It, it checks. I, I honestly thought you would go Blanchett, but I got you on Nyong'o, so there you go. Brandon, we, we did it, dude. 1970 to 2019. We are caught up to today. We are. And now we we head back. I'm so excited. We have a great list of guests on our roster coming up next season. And we get to switch over to the dudes. Yes. It's all about the dick. Let's hear it for the boys. That was so out of tune. Sorry, guys. Um, it's all about the dick. I like that. That was better than mine. Um, do <laughs> with a bittersweet farewell. Do we have anything on the ladies uh, as a whole over the last four decades that you want to comment on? Um, it's been really fun exploring and uh, getting to um, experience. A lot of these performances that I um, otherwise probably wouldn't have seen. Um, I suppose a highlight, uh, one that I had never seen before recording this was um, Bette Midler in The Rose. Um, it's not a movie that was ever really on my radar. And um, I don't know when I ever would have seen it if not for this show. But that has become an all-time performance for me. So um, that's one example of a, of a performance that is a really uh, branded itself in my brain. So um, I don't know if there's any for you that you've discovered or rediscovered since starting this. I mean, I had seen pretty much all of these. I had to revisit some, obviously, but I um, I don't know. It's just, it. again, it's bittersweet. I mean, we, we had no idea if this was going to be a thing, and we just you know, kept growing and it was great. The interaction and the, the back and forth with people, whether it was, you know, 
fun arguments or some serious comments or some fun jabs, whatever. Um, you know, as a, as a whole, I, I'm so glad that we agreed with a lot. Um, the ones that really stick out to me with agreement on, which I'm still very pleased about to this day, are Diana Ross and Lady Sings of Blues and Diane Carroll and Claudine and, um, you know, Bette Midler and the Rose. And, you know, it's 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 been a fun road. And, you know, we started with Jim um, in his studio and then it was a little up in the air after you left and we, we, we pulled it together and we did it. And I'm just very happy that you went on this journey with me. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we've talked about the guys before with 1974, um, but it'll be fun to see where we go. And we're still in this decade. I can't wait to get, finish this decade strong. Um, but you know, we start production on season six here in two weeks and, um, you know, it'll be to you guys soon. And, uh, it'll just be fun to see where we where we think of for the guys here. So I'm I'm excited for more. Yes, Same. we're not going anywhere just yet, guys. Yeah, we're not dead yet. We're not dead yet. Um, but yeah, uh, do you have anything else you want to add before we uh, see everyone next season and start talking about Dick? I think you covered it. Cool, cool, cool. Um, for the queens listening, thank you guys so much for this journey. Um, we couldn't have done this without you. We really hope that you enjoyed it. And um, on the Brandon, what do you say on the count of three? We thank the queens and uh, bid them farewell for the ladies for now. Okay. All right. One, two, three. Thank you, Thanks, queens. queens. And goodbye. Bye. <laughs>